Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 134. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Tiago Mascarenhas. Tiago is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. He lives in Dublin, Ireland. He is a serial entrepreneur, passionate about learning and teaching. Got a little bio here for him. So Tiago moved from Brazil to Ireland in 2006 and quickly began working on establishing Sita College, a first-class educational institution that would offer English language courses to international students. Sita College was established in 2009 and now welcomes around 2,000 students annually from approximately 40 countries. So Tiago shared his humble beginnings in Brazil, his multiple business ventures, talked about social work, and that's how we met, supporting the same social project in Brazil. And at one point in an interview, I asked, what is one of your favorite quotes that you do the best to live congruently, which is something that is super nice for you to just reflect on, right? So one of the phrases that he said, one of the quotes was, done is better than perfect. So after the interview, if you're listening to the, to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, so the audio version, after the interview, I'm going to share my final thoughts. So this is something I did from episode one to, I believe, 100. I'm not 100% sure. That I would just basically reflect on an interview, something that caught my attention, and then I'll create a content that could inspire, impact, or improve your life in some way. However, with so many things I do, running Academy from like own, uh, having my own um, event company to promoting events and so forth, uh, producing content in Portuguese and English. Not that I have a lot of time. So doing the final thoughts was kind of time consuming, but this time I decided, you know what, whenever I have time, I start doing again. So I felt like I did have the time to put a message and this, this one is not uh, too long. I think it'd be about six minutes or so. Um, so you can check after uh, the interview on if you're listening to the audio version uh, of the podcast. Okay. So now we're going to have just a little message from Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. Remember, if you have a chance, jujitsutribe.org. Uh, take a look. We just have to redo our website. We had some issues, lost a bunch of information. Anyway, we just started again. We got back up again. We're still supporting many projects. So take a look if you have a chance. And I hope you enjoy the interview right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mat. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. 
For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Tiago, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you, Gustav? Nice to meet you. Yeah, man, great to uh, great to see you. Great to have you here. We have a few hours difference. What about seven hours from Arizona no, I, and Ireland? No, I think yeah, actually we are eight hours behind. Eight. Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Eight. eight. Yeah, I, I think you're eleven. Yeah, eleven a.m. there. Mm-hmm. Yes, eleven. Yeah. So here we are, seven and evening. So we're gonna talk about a lot of different topics about social work, entrepreneurship, and but I want to know at first. How did jujitsu show up in your life? Oh my God, you know, like this is a long question. And like, if you check my Instagram now, you, you are a bit confused of what I do, you know, because you're going to think, oh my God, this guy is jujitsu 100%. I arrive to places, people think, oh, I think he's a black belt. He's everywhere. And then they say, no, I'm mean, still a purple belt. But, you know, like, so I got involved in jujitsu by chance, you know? Just to give a bit of background to you, you know, like I'm from a very small city on on countryside of São Paulo, you know, like so it's a town next to Sorocaba and in Brazil. And, the, you know, like since I was very young, I, 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 I heard and saw about jiu-jitsu, but the view I had about the sport was that view about, you know, like a... a I think was the pride, was the big competitions, you know, like, and then was the big pit bulls going to fight. So I, I like it, but I didn't feel myself as a fighter, you know, like, so it was a bit expensive too, I think, to have kimonos, to go to jeans. Back on, 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 on the early uh, 2000s, you know, like jiu-jitsu was just starting, you know, like on the world scenario. So it was something new, you know, like to find a place where you would actually be able to join. So the life, you know, like uh, the life keep teaching you, you know, like and keep bringing things to, to you. So 2006, I moved to Ireland. I came to Ireland and then studying, working, got involved with your business. 2011, uh, I was sitting at the reception of uh, my college and then it was a very small college. We had only four classrooms back there. And one guy came to me and said, look, I have a friend. He's in Brazil and he wants to come here. He's a black belt on... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I say, woo, you know, like being linked, hungry, man, it's not my game, you know, and, the, you know, like, so the guy took admission to college, pay, and then he came, and this guy was, you know, like trying to make a living, you know, he had just graduated, he was from Porto Alegre, you know, like uh, uh, south of Brazil, and the, he got his black belt, and he decided to go overseas, you know, to try his luck. So I saw him, he was always very polite, always very talkative, you know, like, but a very polite way. And then I say, oh my God, you know, like he was strong, big arm, short, big ears, you know, like, so I say, oh, let's see, you know, probably he's a fighter, you know, like, so, and they saw that all the time he was trying to talk to people, you know, like about being polite, about the importance of the sport. And he was all the time inviting, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna go one day to my place, you know, like, I can show you some movies about BJJ or about self-defense. So I, I, I never actually like it. But anyway, you know, like I just to have the friendship to talk, you know, like we, we start talking, get involved. And one day uh, he asked me for a sponsorship. He was going to have an MMA fight. And then I saw that he came out the way from city center, like one hour walking to get a 25 years sponsorship. Uh, I, I felt a bit bad, you know, like I said, look, why this guy have a small money? 
explaining that he fought and that he needed to fight because the money that he was fighting this MMA fight, he would be able to, to send money back to his kids in Brazil. And then I saw that he had the principles, you know, like, and then I just started watching him, you know. Another day he come back to me and then say, look, uh, I'm starting teaching some class. It's one hour from outside from Dublin. If you want to go for one class, and there was a big chub, you know, like a bit fat. And then I say, oh, you know, like, don't know. But anyway, one Saturday I went. So I spent one hour to go, one hour to come back on tax to train for one hour. And then I started to develop a friendship with him because he used to go to the school, talk to me, you know, like invite me to go there. Until one day he moved to a new place on city center uh, and he invited me to go there. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna go there. Well, I wasn't very happy, you know, like to go to a place to get beaten by other guys. And one day I arrived over there and they saw how precarious, you know, like how bad it was the place where he was providing classes. It was in a, a, a street, you know, like without, you know, like pedestrians and the, no circulation. Then you had the junks outside of the place, you know. And then, you know, like didn't have separation between men's and the women's, no toilets. And then I started to research about the BJJ and then they say, look, it's a sport that is growing. So this we talk about 2011, 2012. And then one day I send a message to him and say, look, I researched about the sport. I think there's a good potential for you if you can actually make a big gene and grow. And then he say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, let me think somehow. Then one week passed and that was clicking on my mind. And then I contacted him and said, look, George, uh, I'm going to help you. I'm going to partner with you. And then I'm going to finance you to open your own gym. And then he said, don't joke with me. Be serious. I said, no, no, I'm not joking. The following week, he went on holidays. Then I started walking around looking for places. Then next to my office, I saw a place, you know, like it was an open space, you know, like it was big. I went over there, I talked to the guy, I made the agreement with the guy, I paid the post, I paid the, the rent, and then I got the keys. And then I say, George, here's the key. And then I say, oh my God, now I'm gonna be, I'm gonna spend another 20,000, you know, just to fit out, to do everything. Two days after I went over there, he had to strip the place, clean the place and start to organize. I say, you will have the attitude. And then he say, the opportunity. I already gave the other place back. I need to make money here to pay the cost. I said, okay, one month, okay, to October 2012, one month, he inaugurated the place. Then I saw how he worked hard. So I started admiring him, and then I started helping him. Well, I was doing a bit of jiu-jitsu, but it wasn't in my sport, and every time I go over there, the guys beat the, beat the crap off at me, you know, like, and the, you know, like, because I was well-known, and then they say, oh, you're a big man outside, let's... The... He started growing the gene, developing in the match. It was beautiful. The gene was beautiful. And then I went to him and I said, look, you know what? I don't want to be your partner. I don't want you to pay him back. I'm doing something for you. And I hope one day you do this for someone else. You don't have to pay him back. And it's your gene. And then he said, no, how? I say, no, it's your business. Go and look after it. Anyway, he paid me after, you know, like, uh, uh, but he didn't have. But I saw how important he was being on the life of other people. So I started training, I kept training for a while, and then I stopped it. Then constantly he was coming to my office, talking to me, giving me harsh guards, giving me kimono, inviting me to go back. So, and there was a bit shame, you know, like that time was passing, I didn't go. 
back 2017, 2000, like mid of 2017, I felt to myself and say, you know what? I have to do something for myself. Like now I'm 79 kilos, but back on then I was 110 kilos. But there was shame to going back to jiu-jitsu. You know, like they say, oh, all the guys that started with me, they are brown belts, purple belts, they are graduating. And I say, no. And the one day I went to him and he keep constantly booking me personal and private class and they never show up. And the one day I went in and said, I have to change. If I don't change, I'm not going to improve my life. I'm not going to do something. I was doing very good on business, but I was not doing good on personal life. And then one day I said to him, I said, look, do you think I could get someone to give some personal classes to me to help me? And then after I feel comfortable, I can join the normal class. And then he said, I'm going to register you for a competition. So you have to be read by the competition. This was February. He registered me for the Irish Open IBJJF. Oh my God. I was fighting on the uh, super heavy, you know? And then I started training the private class. The kimono, the A3, wouldn't actually close it properly because it was big. Then I went for the competition. I won my first fight and I lost in the final. I got the medal. From that day on, I say, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. And then constantly I kept, you know, and then the competition, the registration of competition actually helped me a lot because Absolutely. I have a target. Mm-hmm. I have a goal and it made me change. But I'm a type of the person that influences people. If something is being good for me, it has to be good for everyone. And then I start inviting people to go with me. And then some people couldn't pay for the membership. I say, no, I paid the membership, but you have to go with me. And then I start growing the thing, you know, like I started inviting my staff is to take part. So then on 2019, uh, that was the Irish Open. I was competing in everything. 2019, uh, I registered for the, the Dublin Open, the IBJJF Dublin Open. And then I got the gold medal, took the picture, and they went to there. And then he said, no, 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 no. I have to take a picture too. And then I said, no, no, I read to him. No, no, I want a picture too. And then on the podium, he gave him my blue belt. I never nice. forget that. Uh-huh. I never forget. And then the words that he used for me was that. You might not be read on technique, but you are ahead here. And I know that you're going to do good. Today is a new step of a new life. And for me, that attitude of him, because you see, for me, you know, like the jiu-jitsu works as a democracy. Doesn't matter who you are, what you do. On the tatami, you have the respect. And this was one thing that they learned, the loyalty, the respect. Respect your opponent, give opportunity for your opponent. And so far, this is what I've been doing. You know, like today I'm purple belt, I compete. Like all the time, there is competitions. I'm there. I try to fit between my normal life, my business life, and I try to fit with my day-to-day activity, you know. And then constantly, I'm just, you know, I get involved. But as I know it's very good for me, I try to use this wealth, this known, this good to other people through the sport, to changing people's life through the sport. Because I'm involved in education, I'm involved in business, I'm involved in entrepreneurship. But the jiu-jitsu, like, I give you an example. A few minutes before we start, I have this girl that, uh, you know, like, she's eight years old. 
And the like hair parents are one of my best friends. So I know her since she was on the bed of her mom. And then today her mom said, Samantha come to me and say, she wants to train jujitsu because she watches you. Mm -hmm. And then she wants a kimono now. So for me, the kimono and the belt are the things that represents empowerment, empowers you to something. And how I... Too. got cut off nope. a little bit here got it yeah 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 i got it. yeah i'm here yeah so what do you feel that of course in jiu-jitsu made a huge impact in your life and in your personal life and as everyone that is listening right now that is have trained jiu-jitsu at some point it will say that it made an impact in your life absolutely now what kind of impact do you feel that made as an entrepreneur do you think that since you start training how did that benefit you Okay, I wrote two books about jiu-jitsu, you know, how the jiu-jitsu help you on the business and how mm. the jiu-jitsu help link it uh, with uh, kids, you know, like how the jiu-jitsu support the kids. And the, the, um, the learning that they took from the jiu-jitsu to the business especially is that respect, honor, loyalty, give opportunity to the people to improve, okay? No one knows everything and no one knows nothing but everyone has opportunity to develop and to learn, okay? So I learned that the stronger have to support the weaker. For my business, because you see, the jiu-jitsu is a big part, the sport is a big part, so I have to fit my work with my sport, because you see, the job I do for my staff, the stud, I do to improve, but the jiu-jitsu I do for myself. This is the time that I sit there and it's for myself. I go, I train, I learn, I be submitted, I submit someone. You know, like someday you, you win nothing, someday you win everything. But giving me the opportunity, you know, like to, to, to learn from other people. And the, you watch more, you listen more. But one of the main things is that I'm linked with people that have the same style or the same beliefs that I have. That's the belief of being better on something. The beliefs of us, the beliefs of calling someone brother, to call someone sister, call a professor, you know? So these are, are actually some of the beliefs that I can bring to my business on the day to day. So how was the transition to live in Brazil uh, for people? I mean, we have people listening from all over the world, right? Sometimes just move out to a different state. It can be a challenge. Now, moving to a different country, it's a whole different level of commitment, understanding culture. It's for people who have lived abroad, understand that it's, it's a big challenge. So how does how the opportunity present itself for you to make the decision to leave Brazil? Okay, so um, I'm from a very poor and very short of means family, you know? So my family was very poor. My father left us when we were 11 years old. So my mom raised me four of us, you know, like, so we are five together with her and without my father's support. So my mom always uh, it was very, very intuitive and very, was a very polite, educated, ignorant on the study because she didn't have much study. She didn't have mm -hmm. opportunity. She got pregnant very young with 17 years old from my 
like old broad. So, but she always had on her mind that the only way that we could improve ourselves was through the study. So I always, you know, like, so as, as a matter of uh, things, when I was very young, I remember that uh, some people used to go by our house and they used to provide us with magazines, you know, like uh, religious magazines. And they remember that I had one of that magazines that they, I loved to read. And he was always explaining about culture, about uh, new things. And they, I loved when they give to me. So my mom always uh, told us, if you have opportunity, learn, read. I used to sit on the toilet and read the, the description of the shampoo because I want to learn how could it be done. So through the education, I had the opportunity to meet people and to learn and to work very early because we didn't have means. So I always had the opportunity to meet people that had more experience than me. So I work as a waiter, I work as a, 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 a kit importer, a security. So, and I knew in my mind that the only way I could improve is that if I studied. So technical school, I studied design was free, was municipal, was from the government. So then after I say, I have to go to university. So I, I, I got the opportunity to get a scholarship to study finances, you know? And there I started meeting people more intelligent than me. But I always told that the big was too big for me to born and to die on the same place. So I started seeing how people would go overseas, how they could have a better life, how they could do. And then I had on my mind that the, the, the time frame for me was one year. In one year, I had to change things. So I never stayed, I stayed in one job more than one year. And the, when the one year was near, I had to actually improve, decrease, or move on. And they saw, like I was on one of the companies I worked at, and this American guy arrived, and then started communicating. No one was able to talk to him. And then I said, I need to learn this language, because if I learn this language, I'm going to be unique. I went to my boss, 900 staff company, and they say. I want to go to Canada. Can you pay? And then he's saying, no, the company is not interested. Perfect. This was on my mind. Things presented, the company started having behaviors that they didn't appreciate. And then suddenly I just say, you know what, it's time to go. And then I went to a travel agency. I said, I want to go to, to Canada. And then they told me, go to Ireland. It's cheaper. You can stay there six months. You don't need a visa and you can travel in one month. Here you go. What they knew about Ireland? Nothing. Just that they speak English. So I sold whatever I had. I got the rest of the money from the bank. And then on the night of June 2006, I got in the plane. My mom's words, I really hope that you find what you're looking for. Still identified. But I know I'm better than the way I was when I was there. So this is how Ireland presented myself. Yeah, and... You said, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Chuck? Yes, I can. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, so one of the things that caught even my attention, that's a that's a word that I, I mention here a lot too, is the word opportunity, the word challenge, even you mentioned earlier with uh, George, you know, like he's saying like, hey, there's a per an opportunity here. So he decided to bust his ass and then you start looking for the opportunity of learning of growing and I feel like everyone if you listen to this right now I feel like not everyone but most people have like maybe a quote that kind of sticks in your head like you do the best you live in congruence with this right um, as a matter of fact just for curiosity put you in a spot 
what is a, a quote that comes to your mind and one of your favorite quotes? Anything that comes to your mind? Yeah, actually, uh, there is one, yeah. Done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. so, and it's so strong that I have tattooed here on my arm, you know, and it make me uh, remember about this every time I look. And the second quote was a quote that uh, Mandela used to read when he was on the Robin Island. Uh, and it was a test, you know, like it was a, a poem. The last uh, uh, phrase of the poem is that you are the captain of yourself. So these two phrases, these two quotes stick on myself a lot because sometimes we try to find the right moment, the right time to do something. There is no right time. It's now or now. Whatever you don't do today, you're not going to do tomorrow. And whatever you didn't do yesterday, you're not going to do the day before. So this is why I put on my mind. I said to people, let's uh, take the airplane off and then we start assembly. But let's move it. Let's keep movement. Because you see, the stars, they born from explosion. So the cows, usually it's important for you to develop. So this is, is one of the, the two quotes, but you know, like Dawn is better than perfect is the one that all the time I say to people, people even joke, they create emojis, you know, about this. It's a big one. Uh, the reason why uh, I was asking you and sharing, I have shared in previous episodes before uh, some different quotes and one that I feel that it's not the exact words or something along these lines, but uh, I felt like it, it kind of set the tone of my life that if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. So not just you, but everyone that is listening right now, if you think about some of the biggest challenges that you have ever accepted in your life, chances are an opportunity present itself because of that decision. Not necessarily you had the outcome that you wanted, because sometimes um, it could be an opportunity for learning that you know you you wanted something really bad you went through a process and you did not get the outcome that you want but i tell you what that is a massive uh, opportunity for growth there and then sometimes you're gonna have some yeah you're looking for you accept a new challenge and then it creates a huge opportunity that it presents itself as another challenge and then you go and then you take this challenge and then now you get in this loop of opportunity and challenge you know you take a challenge an opportunity for growth that presents itself whatever that is and the problem is that when sometimes you don't have the outcome that we want we don't think about that nothing good happened from this i lost so i didn't get the deal like no 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 you know so it's important for everyone that is listening to keep this in mind you know because when you have a trigger that i I figured out with myself is that sometimes we know where you have an idea, but it doesn't come with any emotion. You're like, yeah, hey, I'm going to do it. But the good idea, that's the one that comes with the anxiety, comes with that discomfort. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm up to something here. Because you know that it's something, it's some type of discomfort is going to get you out of your, your comfort zone. And I bet that it's probably a big challenge that will, for sure. Um, generate like some good opportunity like the same way that you as soon as you you made a decision you accept a challenge of learning another language 
your life changed because of that specific decision. Matter of fact, uh, another quote that I always share here that I love too by Tony Robbins, it's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. And you can get any more real than that. At the moment you made a decision in your life, you're like, okay, this is the route that I'm going because I'm making this decision. So everyone's listening. Don't take lightly the decisions that you're going to make because it will shape your destiny. So how was dealing with that moment of taking a, a, a huge challenge to leave your country, to go to the unknown? And how was for you emotionally speaking? I think when I was younger, I just didn't know better. didn't put things much. You're so naive that it's just like, oh, I'm going, it's going to, everything's going to work out. You know, uh, how was for you that uh, emotionally speaking, that transition? Yeah, like what happened was that, you know, like I'm a type of person that I'm very stubborn, you know, like, so I don't like to sometimes admit, you know, like I, I didn't try, I didn't do, you know, so I prefer to suffer by trying something out than actually suffer for not doing you know like there's a quote that a uh, 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 personal trainer a friend of mine he's also like that he used to say is that or you prepare to fail or you fail to prepare so then for sure you're gonna fail because you didn't even prepare to fail so on my head i knew that what is was the worst that could happen the worst could happen was that i had to return back home but that for me was not the how I had to make that thing work out. And you know better. I knew nothing. No one from my family went to university. No one from my family ever traveled in a plane. We knew nothing. So I knew in my head that I had to do different. I had to be the first. And one of the things that you said, it's very true. And you know, like so mistakes. I wrote a book that's called Dream Big, Start Small, but Start. And on the chapter 13 of this book is that transform difficulties into opportunities. So when people see problems, I see opportunities. Ah, like Brazil now has one of the biggest startups. How did startup come up? Come up because the guy saw a problem with that. How did the, the Elon Musk create the SpaceX? By looking at the difficulty and the cost of bringing stuff back and in and out. So how Tony Robbins, you know, like you mentioned Tony Robbins, but if you see his life, you know, like, so he was on a restaurant waiting for a food and someone was asking for the food and then uh, someone asking for some money to help and then all the money he had on his pocket. You know, he was flying, uh, you know, like he was on the helicopter, you know, like on the top of a big building with queues of cars waiting to go into his uh, 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 event. And then he looked down in that same building 10 years back, he was work as a janitor. How did the things worked out? You know, like, so on my head, I knew that I had no option. Turning back was not an option for me. Some way I had to make the things work. I didn't know how, I didn't speak the language. I didn't know, like, I didn't know anyone here. You know, like, so for a poor black Brazilian guy without the language, living in Brazil and coming to a country, that's a Catholic country. We knew nothing about Ireland other than leprechauns or, you know, like Roy Keane, that, you know, like I was a fedora. I knew nothing. I didn't know the food. I didn't know nothing. So, but I knew on my head that I had to work. But one, new, one thing I knew, I had to work hard. 
than anyone else. And this was the thing, Gustav, that I did from the day one. I worked hard. You know, it, there is not something, like I give you an example. Last week I was in the office, so we have 1,200 people here. And then I have the meeting room. I don't have my own office because I don't feel comfortable sitting alone. I sit with people that work on projects with me. Then I went to the toilet, the toilet was dirty. And then everyone walking, oh, it's dirty, it's dirty. And then I got paper, I got and then someone look and say, you are the CEO, how do you clean? I say, I will never ask someone to do something that I would not do myself. So this is the way I learn. So opportunities are here for the ones that are able. How did you become a world champion? I want to become a world champion. Did you register for a competition? No. Did you train? No. Did you make the points? No, I didn't. So how do you want to become? So the thing starts from the step one. You want something, go and get something. So this was the belief that I had. I didn't know how, but the only thing I knew is that I had to try. I didn't want to go back on time on 10 years time and say, I didn't do, I didn't try, you know? So this is how the things actually worked out with me. It was not easy, it was not easy because, you know, like we, we, we say that going abroad and living alone is where the kids cry and the mom sees nothing. I could not tell my family that I was suffering, that I was sad, that I wasn't what I expected, that the going abroad is not uh, 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 wonderful. Well, I couldn't, I, I couldn't go back, I couldn't go back. Going, going back was not an option. And the looking back of everything that they did, the stuff was the best decision I could have that I have took it. Not for where I am, but what I learned and what I become. And one of the things that people say, where do you want to go, Chad? I want to go and you reach my potential. Not what people expect from me, not what the society look at me, not what I made me, but what is my potential? Like, I, I know a, a professor, Marcio de Deus, you know, like he's from the city of God, you know, like has a social project over there. And I heard he said, he's saying one thing to his students one day, losing or winning doesn't matter. What matters is that when you walk out from that tatami, you gave everything you could. And that thing sticked on my mind, that I have to give everything. And this is the way I live today. I do my everything. So now, how did, a, when was the, the spark that you figured out, like, you know what, I think I'm going to start a business, a language school, even if you can expand a little bit more, like how that came about and explain to everyone, okay, what exactly you guys offer and everything, but how did the idea came about? Okay, um, for you to have idea, you know, like, so uh, I came to Ireland as a student, okay? So my background is finance, so I left still very young, you know, like I was 21, 22. I had completed my degree in finances and then I love marketing, you know, like I love learning how the things work, how can I sell more, you know? And the, then I came to Ireland, I had to get a job, I didn't speak English. One month after arriving in Ireland, I found my course. So I was corrupt, bankrupted, they never transferred my euros. They closed down the shop and then I depended on other people's support to actually be here. So I had to find a way. And one of the ways that they did, it was always trying to find, it was that I tried to generate value to people. 
oh, you need to buy a computer. So I made a partnership with a guy that sells computers, sells iPad, how they apply for documentation, how they go to the immigration. So I start supporting people and providing service. So the business people was always happy because I was bringing them business. And the clients, the customers was always happy because someone was actually finding solutions. So I used to work in a pub, you know, like a nightclub, and the staff was over there. And everyone knew me. And then I started improving, learning English, studying. And then I worked there for 2006, 2007, 2008. You know, like I went to Barcelona. I got a girlfriend. My girlfriend moved to Barcelona. Then I went together with her because I said, my life journey is finished here. So I'm probably going to go back uh, to Brazil. And then she was French. Then I didn't feel red. I stayed there. I studied. And then I returned back to Ireland. And the one guy I knew, come to me one day and say, Thiago, you should work on language school. You should work with courses, with education, because it's a big business because people need to be legal here. And then they are legal to study. And then I say, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to sell these things. I don't like to be involved. And then one day he met me on the street and then he said, so we walked to this building, no classrooms, no customer. The guy was sitting there and then nothing. And then I say, you know what? This is a visa factor. This has no future. These guys are here just selling documentation. They say, I don't want to get involved. Then the guy say, no, we want to improve. We want to do things, you know, like we need someone from Brazil. Didn't bother. Left. Three days after he called me and say, oh, I have two people from Brazil here. They want to know about the course. Can you talk to them? Then I say, okay. Then I spoke to him. And then this couple bought the course. And then he said, ah, they're going to pay you. Can you come? And then I went there, spoke to them, sold two courses that I didn't, I didn't even knew how. People paid. The guy come and pay me 400 euros commission. I say, what? The minimum salary here was 765. Nice. I was working 40, 50 hours. I didn't make this more than two sales. I say, you know what? I'm going to start selling these things to all my friends. So, and then how I got involved with one month, I sold seven courses, two months, nine courses, three months, 10 courses, fourth month, 20 courses. Then the same guy come to me and say, Thiago, all the markets are yours. So you can sell whatever you want. I say, I'm going to put people to work for me. And then I started recruiting people to work for me selling courses. So I used to go to city center, giving leaflets to the foreign, to the immigrants. I said, look, come to my school. But I always say, I have to deliver what they promise. So I get the money, they build a classroom. They put a teacher. And then I start. With six months I was here, the company had no money to pay my commission because I was making too much money, selling a lot. And then I said to them, I said, look, it's, we can make a deal. You can give me 15% of the company and then you pay my salary, you don't pay more commission. And then otherwise, I'm just going to walk away because what's the point for me being here? I'm not part of this. I just sell. And then he accepted until that they have 100% of the company today. But what this actually provided me was opportunity. was a lot of challenges, you know. And then I, I'm always looking for opportunities, but not I'm looking for people. People make the difference. And then... One business generates another opportunity, another opportunity, another opportunity. And today I'm involved in 42 different businesses. 
okay? And the, my role is much less active today because I have people that run in the business. Instead of trying to do everything, I just oversee, or I just get report, or I just invest the money and they get the dividend. And then this goes as far as having a language school, own accommodation, own hostels. Uh, we are opening up a bank now. I had a food factor. I had aesthetics and aesthetics clinics. Uh, plenty of bees, but I always try and say, okay, this is not working out. They're going to sell or going to buy. You know, like, so I try to make the things, you know, like on different ways. So today I invest in the, some we lose, but the majority of this project we, we win, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, as you mentioned, you already have so many different entrepreneurial experience. So maybe you can stick with it. Essentially, it was your first venture, right? With when you started to do the courses and, and, and so forth. What would you say it's one of the biggest struggles that you faced in the beginning of your entrepreneurial career? There are different moments, you know, highs and lows. Yeah, and yeah. Getting the trust of the people. People believe in you. People believe in you. Especially people being a foreigner, right? Maybe oh, people yeah. get like, mm, I don't know about yeah, this being guy. A, being a, a foreigner, you know, like running a business that supposedly, like you're teaching language. So you're Brazilian. You're not a teacher. So how mm -hmm. can you run a, a educational organization? So they see these as a, a front, you know, like so. And the, the market of uh, student recruitment and the teaching language called the ELE uh, uh, is very based on families, you know, like so. You know, like, so it's a family run business. So I think, you know, like having the trust and then also have the means to do it, you know, like that's financially. So this was, I think, the two biggest challenges, you know, like I have. Yeah, and I mean, you're a serial entrepreneur and that's something I have mentioned here. Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I listen to him a lot. Yeah, um, so he got a lot of cool concepts and so there are a few of those that are, that I that I keep. And what he said, because I mean, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone, right? No. Um, so he he said something that really caught my attention. That he said, you know, some people have entrepreneurial DNA. Some people have entrepreneurial tendencies. They may look similar, but they're not. When you have entrepreneurial tendencies, some no. people have the idea of like, that would be cool to have my own business. I'll have my own hours. That would be cool. And then they started and then things sometimes don't go well. I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I was doing. When you have that entrepreneurial DNA, when you do whatever, it doesn't work. You crack and you go all the way down. You're going to start something new. And you're going to keep going until you hit what you want, you know, until you get the business that you want, the way you want, you know, so that's why it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Like how many stories you see of like incredible entrepreneurs that went bankrupt, uh, like God knows how many times, you know, just because they believe in their drive and their vision and, and they go. So it's a very interesting. And it's in, because here's the thing, there's, there's a lot of people that have, a lot of people who are listening right now, we do have entrepreneurs and you do have people in transition. People, sometimes it could be something I do, I'm in a job that I really don't like and I wish I was doing something else. And you stay in that 
and that space of like, should I take the lead or not? You know, and then sometimes they need to listen to themselves. Like, do you have that DNA? Are you willing to put the work that needs to be done? Because you don't have to be an entrepreneur. So what do you suggest for people who are in that transition? They're questioning the fear because it's normal for the human being to feel the fear of like the fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know where I'm putting myself into it. What what do you feel that you can suggest to people who are not sure if they should take the leap or not? Like everything, there's a cost, okay? And there is a cost involved. Uh, being the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it's a guaranteed 365 days per year job, mm-hmm. no guarantee of salary, uh, no guarantee that you actually wanna get paid, no guarantee of success. The only guarantee that you're going to have there is that you need to work and you need to be the first one in and the last one out. This is the only guarantee you can get. But if your objective is being big and changing the world and making a difference, you're not going to be making difference by working a nine to five job as a civil servant because you're working for someone else. You're taking the money from Rolls Royce. You bring the money to Johnson & Johnson. And then you are spending your money on Ford. And then you are going on Louis Vuitton. You know, like, so you are paying for someone else's lifestyle. So the advice I give to people is that the fear. The fear is a killer of the mind. The fear that's not going to happen, the fear that's not going to work out, the fear that is not possible, the fear that I'm not capable, it's actually the killer. Alexander the Great at the Galgamela battle said one thing, like it was 40,000 Persians against 250 uh, uh, Babylonians, you know, like your Persian. And then he said one thing, conquer your fear and they promise to you, you can conquer the world. So fear is the killer, but the fear develops and increases if you allow him to do. And the entrepreneurship, it's a game of conquest. You need to conquest your fear every day. Oh, I don't feel well. Not going to work out. No, it's not possible. It's the same when you walk on the tatami and you say, oh, the guy is too big. The guy is too, he has four or five stripes on his belt. You know, five, no, four stripes on his belt. Oh, he's too good. He won this, he won that. He's a man. He's a woman. Same as you. So the fear for me is a killer. And if you conquer the fear and you tell the fear, you know what fear? You sit there and you make sure that you watch. And then tomorrow, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow. I I fear, I fear. I go to competitions and I feel my stomach gonna be consumed by, by this because I don't know how to explain. And then that five minutes when the fight starts, I feel that this goes. And it's the same on the business. And people say to me, Chad, you take risks. I say, I don't take risks. I try. If it doesn't work out, at least I try. The risk is there. I try to minimize the risk. I try to avoid have big compromise that may crash me. Because, for example, the pandemic for the sport, your gym has to be closed. How would you survive? Why not go online? But can you learn Jiu-Jitsu online? Maybe not. 
Maybe yes, maybe some people can, but some people can't. But you need to keep the mindset of your students alive. Otherwise they will die themselves or they will kill themselves. So, uh, uh, you know, like it, it, the business mentality is about conquer the fear and keep adapting, keep evolving. So this is one of the things that I actually have to work on myself every single day. And uh, I feel that there is something that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this too, how sometimes the immigrant, they have a little like a good like, you know, extra card in their sleeve that can pull it off, which is just knowing that you, where you're coming from, meaning there's nothing more motivating than necessity. <laughs> you know what I mean? When exactly. you're there, like, dude, I got to make it happen. They're like, oh, I'm yeah. scared. There's no such a thing. When you're like, it's the, is it that you do that, dude, or you don't eat? You know, because sometimes when you're in a comfortable spot, should I go? I'm not sure. I'm stable here. I'm safe. I'm not sure. You know, but when you're like, yo, either you do that, or you're not going to eat. People get motivated very quick. So it depends what stage of you know uh, life people are at. You know what I mean? But it's definitely yeah. something to take into consideration. Yeah. One of the things is that it is that you know, like my professor, he keeps saying to me, "Don't be on the position that you are comfortable. If you love playing on the top, go on the bottom and suffer them <clears throat> because you have to be good in all the positions." What is hard, you know? Uh, but it, it, it is important. So, you know, like, so some people, one of the things that you said, you said, you know, like, so you're born entrepreneur, how it is. I think that you learn and the necessity creates the opportunity. So if you have the necessity, the opportunity for you to become entrepreneurship will, will shine, will come up. Uh -huh. And especially if you really have the little bug, that desire to like create and be doing stuff. Absolutely. Now let's talk about a part that it's a huge uh, section of your life in your business, social work. And that's how we, we, we met in first place with connections through social work. So share a, a little bit. I know that some of the stuff you do a lot, it's some is, through the college, some is through you. So I know that you're a humble guy that don't, don't like to really be mentioned. I do this, I do that. Uh, but I just want you to share a little bit about some of the the social work that you, uh, that you do and helping even in Brazil too, social projects. So just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, like one of the things that I'm very focused because myself, I came from a very humble family, you know? And I was helping through social work, okay? So the first course that I done outside of my school was 12, 13 years old and was a social work course, you know? Like, so we learned how to work on the off, see how to, like it was a, a, a work, uh, a study for work program was a six months program. So in that this project, I developed a bit about how to create things and how to raise to the next level. So for me, I don't like to give money to people. But one of the things I like to do is that I like to pro show them opportunities. How can they actually have opportunities? How can they see the things from different perspectives? Okay. So, and the, by doing this, I empower people or projects or, or, or people that they actually need. 
I empower to them to say, okay, hold on. If I give you food today, you're gonna eat today. And then tomorrow you're not gonna have it. Then you're gonna cry because you don't have. But if I teach you how to create this, it may cost you on the first day, but on the second day, they're gonna self-generate. You're gonna create sustainability. So my life today is, is based, uh, I, I, I discover that more I give, more I get. And uh, through actually socializing or being linked with people that are involved in the social work. So I learned a lot. I learned about the necessity, the opportunities, the things that they do. So first thing that they do is that I ask nothing back. Okay, so if I'm helping or doing something, I don't want nothing back other than actually value what's been done. You need to improve your language, I give you a course. The only thing I want from you is that you learn. Because if you learn, you're gonna be able to impact other people's life. So, and then it's how I get involved with projects. You know, like, so I start first analyzing, seeing that the project is good or someone comes to me and tell me and say, Tiago, that project is good, find out a bit more. And then I start finding and then I send a message. I say, look, how is the project? How are you doing? And then usually people don't know who you are and what you're doing, they just reply. And then you start getting involved with, you know, like on the day to day, and then you support them on the necessities that they have, but always focus on sustainability, okay? So mm -hmm. for example, why are you gonna donate it 10 kilos, a pizza? A pizza is a luxury, it's not something that you need. You need to donate what? Rice, beans, pasta, some meat, because then you can cook for the week because all the rest is surplus. But then you can tell them, okay, how can you get that rice? Convert that rice in small croquettes or snacks, and then start selling to buy more rice. So I try to show them how to generate value for the things. And this is how I, 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 I end up getting involved. And at some point, sometimes you can do more, sometimes you can do less. But on my point of view, it's something that helped me to make the concentration. Okay, uh, these, you know, like being supportive, you know. Yeah, and the same way uh, for people who are listening, uh, most of you are familiar, if you're listening for the first time, uh, I co-founded a nonprofit organization in 2010 and, and evolved, we, the organization evolved and it's called Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. So in the beginning, would help projects with even getting people to compete and stuff like that, pay registrations. And then we started noticing too that how a lot of the projects, they don't, they have a very hard time, as you already know, to manage the money that come in, the choices that they make with their, their money. So next thing, they just thinking tournament, tournament, tournament. But at the end of the day, if you can't sustain the project itself, there'll be no place to train. That means no one's going to compete. So I stop, uh, when I do something, as far as entry fees, there'll be not the organization. I have Gustavo's donations because I feel like I wanna help whatever, that's separate. But as far as our organization, because people get in trouble with their own taxes in Brazil, and now they, you know, their situations are like, we're helping one of the organizations in, in a project in Brazil to get squared away because they kept all the money that they get. They get uh, registrations. They give. They do food drives for people, which is awesome. You know, they're helping. But like, what about you guys? 
And then next thing, they start to go behind in, in taxes, things they need to pay. Now they block their access to money. Any money comes to the account. They, you know, the government takes, you know, so all this stuff. So I had to kind of like come back, okay, what do you need first to start to move forward? Because right now they can't, they cannot even accept some of the money that sometimes some some state programs they have, they're not allowed to even accept. I was like, dude, your priority right now, they're thinking, yeah, the tournament, like, no, 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 no. You need to guys put a pause in tournament. Tournament is not the, the solution right now. We guys need to work on the sustainability of the place. Otherwise, no one's going to end up training anywhere. You know, yeah, so, exactly. that's, so that's basically how we start to... Uh, kind of redirect our organization to the help with construction, with like improving the facility. And even better, if we can get some type of financial compensation for the teacher, because many of them, they stop teaching because they say like, dude, I love teaching, but I need to support my family. I need to get a job, you know? So being able to help somehow, you know, some someone so they can keep doing their job, which is... It's incredible. I like to call them the, the uh, there are so many different superheroes, right? And I think they're part of them, some of them that really put their time to teach and change people's lives, literally getting opportunity of kids that train jujitsu. Many of them, you uh, you help a lot of them to get in the process. I know there's one of them that that lives in, in Ireland that you started that connection through your help, through a project that we helped to in, in, in the South, Gajitas. Yeah. And through that, this kid you know, came and then got a visa, started studying. Now he has a job, he speaks English. You know what I mean? Like, that's incredible. You know what I mean? This is a, uh, it's such a, uh, it's just, it's just one, right? And in, imagine like how many, you know, one by one, just a little help here, a little bit of help there. So, um, in this case, uh, the organization that I co-founded is just basically uh, everything that we do is by support of the jiu-jitsu community. Sometimes seminars that I go, products that online courses that we have, uh, that I have some of my mental coaching courses online, they're all directed to jiu-jitsu tribe as well to raise money so we can keep like helping, you know, some construction, look over uh, different places. So I wish we had more so we can help more people, but we do what we can to, you know, we need to be realistic. And, and I just love to see that the improvement and things are coming out. There's people who are, um, they're not in jujitsu like right now, but that open the door for them to go to college to do something else, you know, so there's so many um, opportunities. And yeah, you see one thing, Gustav, you know, mm -hmm. like getting a, a hook on, on what you are saying, okay? Uh, the jiu-jitsu career, okay, it's it's very, it's I don't use the word aggressive, but I I I, I see it's very cruel, you know, <laughs> because you see, the professional adult life, okay, we would say that's from 19 to 30, okay, this is where the where the where the juice is, okay, so that is the At the prime okay, time. The prime time, yeah. So after that, you become a master. So some masters still competing on the adult, but this is like you see the proofs there that every year there is new entrance, there is new people coming. So and the the sport, even though it's organized, but the sport doesn't pay well, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and because the sport doesn't pay well, so or you focus on becoming a competitor, 
or you focus on becoming a teacher, become an academic, start teaching and having your own gene, and then start. So it's a very complex, and it's because it's not a very well-regulated sport. So people get lost, you know, like there's a lot of people with good wheels, but that take advantage of some of the situations, you know. One of the things that they do very strongly, it's what you say. I help, but to make sustainable, okay? And exactly what you say. The main person that is there is that, pays rent, probably have kids, doesn't go out, doesn't travel, can't compete because he's training. If he just give up the project, these kids will die, or they're gonna go on drugs, or they're just gonna get pregnant. So they are in a catch 8.22. So they, what do they do? They walk away, they go to the next stage, they find a job, they go to the States, they start working there as a teacher, or they actually focus on actually keeping going the project. So my job as an entrepreneur is sitting with them and say, let's look at this as a business. Okay, as a business, okay? As a business, what is your monthly budget to maintain the project and to be able to bring your kids once a month to cinema? That's this. Our target is being able to generate this. How are we gonna generate this? Through competitions, through partnerships, through sponsorship. Once I make the business a bit sustainable, then I say, okay, what do you need? You need to win. But to win, you need to make some strong competitors because one very good, she's very well known. She's the best in the world, but she used a phrase for me that she says that. She say, when uh, 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 the water comes on one, it splashes on another. When my sponsor gave me two, three kimonos, this is three people plus me that are gonna get training kimonos. Another girl, she's sponsored by a big American brand. Every time the brand sent her kimono, she was just world champion now for brown belt. And she said, another people get extra kimono or my old kimono. So the sense of community just grows, grows, grows. <clears throat> my job is make sure to prove to them that there is a life out of and they need to be read, they need to be prepared. For example, I give free language courses to the students because they say, how do you want to get sponsors if you don't speak the language? How do you go to these top uh, uh, sponsors like Albini Preto, Kings, Maeda, uh, 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 Browns, you know, like so the FGGF itself, or Pro Grappler, the AGP Tour, and you don't speak the language. Then they come and they say, oh, you are the big guy on Jiu Jitsu. How are you? Sorry. I don't speak. Yeah. Then you lose mentally because when you don't understand what people are doing, then you lose. So this is my job with them, you know, like so um, proving to them that there is opportunity. And the last I went for the the words, you know, like now I was uh, I done the master, you know, the North American master, and then I stayed together with these teams, you know, like of one of the projects that I helped a lot, you know, and then when I was, you know, like there. I could stay on the hotel, but then I saw how important for them was if I stayed together with them on the house. So my job was, even though I was busy, was cooking for them every day. The first thing I did, I arrived and I went to supermarket. I done a big shop. Mm -hmm. Then I said, we're not getting stupid food, we're getting proper food. I said, we're gonna cook because like 12 of you are gonna compete. So everyone needs to have enough food. So then we done a big shop. Then I start cooking for them. 
I say, look, one day I've done the result, another day I've done the stroganoff, another day I've done meat, then I start doing the breakfast. Because if I'm not able to serve, how gonna be expected people serve to me? And for me, it was not me doing something for them, it was them giving something back to me. Because they weren't talking to me for what I am and what they do outside of the Katam, but they are respect for what I'm doing for them. So this is what actually I think was it was the important part. And this is what I think is, is, is important to what you do. You give them a perspective. I was on the nationals in Brazil, and one guy, he was very good, he was 18, you know, and he kept coming to me to call me uncle. And then he said, Oh, I like your shirt, I like your sunglasses. And then the day before I leave, I just went there to say bye to them. And then I put a lot of things into a bag. And they say, I oh, can you keep this for me. He said, oh, I'll give you back. And then when I left, he said, Oh, is your thing? He said, No, this is for you. I say, I saw that you look, and then you ask, This is for you. Because they need to know that there is better out of the poverty. Mm -hmm. And the best asset I can give to them is my time. People thinking that giving money solves the things. No, money doesn't solve nothing. Money sometimes creates problems. Money creates lazy people. Make more, creates people that don't want to work. So my job is providing my time. And my time is what sometimes helping to gain, to give them a different perspective or a different life perspective. Beautiful. Now getting close to the end of the interview, Thiago. Now, my last question is, if you have, if you could have, not that you want anything different in your life because it's part of our journey. Right, but if you have to give an advice, a piece of advice to the younger Tiago when he was getting into entrepreneurship, again, not that you want anything different, but knowing what you know now, what kind of like little tip would you give to him? Okay, I would give this tip. Okay, this is one of my last books. is in Portuguese, but the the wording is that dream big, start small but start mm -hmm. don't be afraid to the no sayers or the haters or the people that will say that you are not capable if you look to tom Brady, would you say that he would be the biggest quarterback in the history yeah he wasn't drafted until i think the 16th 17th opportunity so gary v what would you expect from someone that came from Belarus, you know, like I think. Belarus, yeah. uh, that keeps saying that he's going to buy the Jets mm -hmm. and uh, that was working on his liquor store, you know? So the no-sayers and the haters, they needed to provide you with fuel to dream big, to see that you are capable to do. People are going to come to you and they're going to say, poor, you need better. And the following day, they're going to come back to you and say, Oh my God, he's too good. So my advice to people is that dream big, dream that you can, but start small. But more than now, start, get doing. Movement generates movement. And if you read the Bible, the Bible will tell you the same thing. If you read Shun Tzu, he will tell you the same thing. If you listen to Tony Robbins, he will tell you the same thing. You don't need... To go to Harvard, you don't need to go to Cambridge, you don't need to go to MIT, you don't need to go to Ula, you don't need to go to this place, you need to start because the success is not where you go looking for. The success is here. You are the captain of your destiny, you are the, the owner of your own fortune. 
If you want to be strong and you go to the gym every day, you're going to gain. You're not going to get the results on the first week, the second week, but it's a constant, you know? And this is how the jiu-jitsu shows this to me. If you train every day, and if you prove every day, if you give opportunity to you. Like, I, 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 I like to talk a lot about the, the belts, you know? The white belt is the start of the journey. Then you get the blue, and you discover that you know nothing. <laughs> then comes the purple that you discover that people attack you by the leg and you still be a better blue belt. Then you have the looking forward for the brown that you are too afraid to make mistakes. You know, like, so this is how the democracy of the sport brings to this. So if people are listening to us today and the, you know, like, and have the opportunity, you know, like to, to put something on the, on the, on the way of development would be get done, move, don't wait for tomorrow. Oh, I don't have time. Okay, how many series you watch? Someone mm-hmm. also told me one day, I have no time. I say, okay. I say, did you, oh, I saw this new Witcher, you know, like on Netflix. Did you watch? Oh, I love it. Very good. Pick blind is very good. They say, here you go. 20 hours wasted. 20 hours that you could have done a book. 20 hours that you could have trained for Jiu-Jitsu. 20 hours that you, you, you could have actually bought 10 twin guns, for 10 cents and sell the same 10 for 20 cents and going back there and sell by another 20. The opportunities are there. The difference is that who will take. And this is actually what it is today. People are gonna say you're lucky. There's no luck. Or, they, or you do or you don't do. Should, could, would, might, shouldn't it be words that you should have on your vocabulary? Or you train or you don't train. Or you compete or you don't compete. But oh, I would like to compete. I could. If my knees were good, they say, okay, perfect. But you don't only train. I meet people in competition that they don't have a leg. <coughs> I meet people, I had the opportunity to compete with a guy from the same gene as me. And the, you know, like he's a guy that works very hard. And the, I look at myself and I say, how ignorant and fucked we are sometimes finding skills not train when there's people that come here every single day to train and they have worse and harder life than me. So stop excusing and train. So these are some of the advice that they would believe, you know, like for the people that have opportunity to listen to us today. Yes. And another one that I like too is just put in your mind that no one's coming to your rescue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you got to do it that as you get the ball rolling, the right people will show up in your life when you take action and things. If you're just sitting, not doing it, but when you start taking actions, yeah, the, the yeah. universe will line them up, will attract to you, you know, and to kind of get around, surrounded by these people. One of the things, Gustavo, that I always say to people is that, uh, two things, you know, like I, I say that whatever good you do comes back to you. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but they always comes back. And another thing that they, people always ask to me and say, do you feel you're successful? And the description of success for me is actually when you are able to, to get what you generate and changing other people's life. For me today, when I'm talking to people, I usually ask about the parents, you know? And then these are the first examples of success that you have in our life. 
people that have dedicated everything they had to make sure that you have the best. So these are the most successful people because they use whatever they had to make impact on your life. Make money is easy. Spending money is much easier. Building companies is easy, but impacting people's life. This is something that is not easy. So and this is for me how you can actually see the success. So all these people that are actually sitting there running the social projects, they may not enjoy, you know, like I saw one of them and then the way he looked to the medal, you know, like for example, when you look to me and say, Tiago, what the thing that for me, for you is a wish thing? And I say, look, I look at that ring of the absolute on the world championship. I don't know even how much it costs, but that is something that no money can pay. When you see someone go and get that. So when you see that you impact someone's life to go and be better on their life, or to the jiu-jitsu, or to the sport, or to the career, or to the social work, this is where you can look back and say, I'm a successful person. Yes, sir. Tiago, thank you so much dude, for your time, for sharing your story. And I'm going to put all the links for people who want to know more about you and about your, your college and all the projects that, uh, uh, that you're involved with. So you're an inspiration. And I feel that people can get a lot of good concepts and good ideas from this interview. So thank you so much for your time, dude. Thank you very much, Professor. It's an honor for me being here, taking part, you know, and be talking to you, you know. And um, I just ask for you to keep going, you know, like, and don't give up on us, on the content and things. I know that sometimes the things are harder, but every time that something new comes up, someone is impacted, you know, and it means a lot to us. And it's just a way of saying thanks, you know. Awesome. Thank you so much, you all. I'll see you all soon. Us. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Tiago Mascarenhas. If you didn't have a chance to listen to the interview and you're just listening to the final thoughts, Tiago is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and a serial entrepreneur passionate about education and learning. Tiago moved from Brazil to Ireland in 2006 and quickly began working on establishing CEDA College, S-E-D-A College, a first-class educational institution that would offer English language courses to international students. CETA College was established in 2009 and now welcomes around 2,000 students annually from approximately 40 countries. Tiago shared his humble beginnings in Brazil, his multiple business ventures, and his social work that is how we met supporting the same projects. During the interview, I asked him, what is one of your favorite quotes that you do the best to live congruently? One of Tiago's favorite quote is, done is better than perfect. And that is so true. Have you ever had a business idea or a project that you kept postponing or procrastinating because you're waiting on something that was not perfect the way you want it yet? I have. <laughs> I feel we all do to a certain degree. However, people with perfectionism traits struggle more with the idea of done is better than perfect. Perfectionism is not necessarily harmful or destructive. Perfectionism has good and not so good sides. For example, when you are a perfectionist, you have a solid work ethic, you don't accept mediocrity, and you often have the attitude of if you want to get something done, do it yourself. On the flip side, this mindset breeds high expectation, and when you don't meet your standards, you can become 
very critical of yourself. What do you have to do to implement the done is better than perfect mindset? There's only one answer. Execute your plan. Start. As Vincent Lombardi said, there's no such a thing as perfection. But in striving for perfection, we can achieve excellence. Or Les Brown's quote, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss it, you will land among the stars. Keep your high standards, but don't let your perfectionism paralyze your actions. And consistent action creates consistent results. When you think about it, you probably have experienced some situations where you started immediately and made improvements along the way. But unfortunately, there were other situations where you dragged your feet. So if you feel that you are procrastinating because you're waiting for everything to be perfect and all stars get aligned, stop and tell yourself, done is better than perfect. Set a date and make it happen. For example, I had no awareness about my perfectionism traits until I started being exposed to personal development and mental coaching. I didn't realize how much that helped me back in many different ways on and off the mat. Back in 2012, I met my public speaking mentor, Joe Weldon. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably heard me talking about him before. He's one of the founders of the National Speakers Association, and he is in the Hall of Fame of public speaking, one of the top three most influential people in my life. I'm 47 years old, and he has been a professional speaker for 47 years. Currently, in 2022, he is 80 years old and still an active speaker. Anyway, on June 14th, 2014, two years after we met, after one of my seminars, he told me, Gustavo, you need to create a mental coaching DVD to reach more people. DVD was still a thing eight years ago. And I told him, yes, I know. I'm going to do one more course, then I'm going to start this project. Then he taught me a life lesson that I never forgot. He said, Gustavo, you have strong traits of perfectionism. And it doesn't matter if you create the product now or in six months. It will never be a perfect 10 in your eyes. So start your first course, which might be a 7 on your 1 to 10 scale. The next one might be a 7.5 and, and so forth. Basically, he said, done is better than perfect. On the same day, I executed the plan. I contacted a Holiday Inn and booked a conference room and announced online. On July 26, 2014, six weeks after the seminar, the recording of the course Inner Discovery for Outer Success will take place in Tempe, Arizona. If you are interested in attending this free of charge event, you can apply online, explaining why you believe you'd benefit from this class, and we will choose the attendees. Unfortunately, the event is lim limited to only 20 people. By the way, the course was not ready. I felt the fear and anxiety and told myself, now you better make it happen or it's going to look bad for you. Long story short, I released the DVD course that is now available on demand. Eventually, I created more courses in English and Portuguese, and now all sales from the BJJMentalCoach.com are donated to the nonprofit Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. Listen, I'm not trying to impress you with my accomplishments. It's just to convey that when you choose the mindset done is better than perfect, many opportunity doors will present themselves for you. What is a project that you have been dragging your feet on? Execute your plan. Set a date, make it public, do whatever you have to do to get the ball rolling. To wrap it up, I wanted to share a thought from the keynote speaker, Derek Harper. Done is better than perfect because perfect never gets done.
but you must get something done first. Oops. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.